Hello, and welcome home to Nomadic Curiosity, the podcast. I am your main and favorite host, Zach. (laughs) And uh, the least likable um, host here, uh, Devin Smith. (laughs) And... Oh, I hope you guys brought a empty belly today, because we got a fear course meal for you today. <laughs> Played that one out. Clever. Clever. Uh, that's right. The, we're going to be talking about the menu of suffering. Bon appetit. Hmm. So, well, um, one could say, you know, yeah, obviously all the food that we're eating is suffering because we killed it and ate it, but that's not the direction we're going. Actually, I would assume most of the food we eat, <laughs> we didn't even kill. We probably made up in a lab, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be honest. But but no, I yeah. Where I got those chicken wings from? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure a scientist worked on them. You know, seriously, I'm sure there was a oh, chemist. Have you seen this stuff about Tyson chicken? Oh yeah, yeah. Tyson's the worst. I mean, that's yeah, they are definitely never are going to be any type of a sponsor. So yeah. Yeah. We do not condone the yeah. eating of Tyson chicken. Yeah, Tyson Tyson's pretty fucked up, actually. Like, the chickens, I feel really bad for. Yeah, they're, like, so heavy that they can't stand on their feet, and they are just, like, thousands of them crammed in a too small space, and it's right. kept in the dark their yeah. whole life because somehow that's better for the meat right. fatness. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's against their, like, regulations for them to actually see sunlight, even. Like, I don't uh, and they're all, if you see them, it's sad. They're so fat and obese that they literally can't, like, they can't walk or anything. And they've got big old tumors on them and stuff. And then, uh, I mean, what a lifestyle. And then we consume that energy. But, I mean, so that's a whole extra knobs on the, I always liked those. On the chicken wings, like, the extra, like, <clears throat> knob of stuff that I'm not sure exactly. Fat, yeah, it's kind of like a fat tumorous kind oh, of thing. Oh, I thought they were tumors this whole time. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I was telling people I well, love I mean, to eat cancer. Even, even like chicken wings and stuff, though, I really don't like. I don't really like fatty meat. I like lean meat because then I feel like, I don't know, the animal was like, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's that's just a personal preference. I don't know. Yeah, we, we I started yeah. saying that because that wasn't the direction we were going. Yeah, off of this. Now we're going food. that direction. Yeah. So, I hope you guys brought you know your uh, salad fork because the today's house salad is. Um, and depression and all that stuff, anxiety and, and fear and worry and panic and just utter discontentness with reality itself. Here we are finding ourselves in a predicament where I'm sure most people that are listening have had experienced at least one of those, if not multiples of those, at least once in their life, but probably more. But who's to say? I don't know. Yeah. I'd say probably, um, <clears throat> if we're going kind of with the analogy of, like, a menu, <laughs> you know, I would say probably, like, my go-to dish would be, um, the constant seeking and searching, you know, like, uh, that kind of plays out so much. I, just the wandering ghost in a way. Just... Yeah, like, uh, I feel that that's pretty much usually the root of all of the, um, habits that I usually um, you know, delve into that are kind of like, I guess a distraction, but then also, you know, it's like that, that seeking and that searching for, um, you know, like in, in AA and NA that, you know, trying to fill that God-shaped hole and everything. Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that just shows up in in a lot of my like self-destructive or self-sabotaging, um, patterns and behaviors, but then also just like in day-to-day life as well. I think, you know, kind of, you know, 
kind of a longing for more than just what is sometimes is yeah i mean like, i know for me one like shit got really bad I, I like this this uh saying i'm sure it's already a saying but i i thought i made it up in my head yesterday was uh i realized that i hit my addiction like that i it was an, it was an addiction and i had a problem when it was no longer something that I desired, but it was something that I habitually did because it was required. Oh, right. At least it felt like it. Yeah. It very much so was like, it was like, well, if I don't take this, I mean, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be a useless person, you know? Yeah. As if I already wasn't, but, you know, the mindset changes as you progress. But that, uh, yeah. that, that God shaped <clears throat> hole for me was basically once I stopped filling it with a false sense of feeling that was a high effect from the DOC, the drug of choice at the time. Once I stopped like just constantly relying on that, what did uh what did I find? Oh yeah, a giant big ass gaping hole of empty despair that I did not want to deal with. Well, Hence I think... why I pursued drugs because I didn't even want to fucking like, oh, shit, why am I so empty? Well, I think, honestly, like, you know, addicts and whatnot, I think really drugs just happen to be that tool. <laughs> sorry. I have to put my napkin on my lap. Yeah, sorry. Um, I actually am doing that. Yeah, I'm not civilized. I don't, I didn't come prepared. Anyway, um, I think uh, with, um, with addicts, you know, and alcoholics, you know, myself included, you know, I think drugs are just one of those tools you know, that that any kind of um, average person will use when they are seeking out that 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 um, that kind of baseline or seeking out some altered um, version of what is something more something not what is, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, we do that day to day, even if it's not drugs, truly, you know, we'll, we'll do that even just in, in harm, harmless ways, you know, just even. Um, you know, saying I love you to somebody or just, you know, showing your gratitude or, or, I mean, just working or feeling useful in general and those kind of things where you're going to want those as kind of tools as well to feel more than just nothing. I don't know. For me, I just feel, I feel best when I feel useful and helpful and like I'm contributing or doing mm -hmm. something, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's important to kind of take a look at when we really like, I know we were kind of always on a journey, but like if you could find like a defining moment that was like the beginning of your journey, like, like what would you say is like, this is kind of where I like really kind of started off on this, this search for something more or something else, something that I'm not experiencing. Cause I know for me, it was basically at a time in my life I was reaching about junior, senior in high school. I had quit all my sports. I just had, like, just a bunch of, like, just, I don't know, unsettling occurrences happen without getting into it uh, with some of the teammates and others. Uh, and I no longer was in a sport for the first time since I could pretty much walk. And I was pursuing a girl that didn't love me back, you know, that cliche thing, you know, heartbroken, the developing depression, all of my siblings left, I was feeling lonely, and on top of that, my worldview was primarily Catholic, that's what I was raised as, and I was reaching an age where I could sort of start to form perceptions on my own, a little more, a uh, little more 
actively and not so naively. Yeah, and curiously. basically my worldview started to collapse. I started to see a whole bunch of sh- shit that did not <laughs> match up with what I was taught life was uh, growing up. You know, in subtle ways and in major ways. And so basically what I was like, well, shit. I mean, everything's kind of a lie. In retrospect, that's the mind state that I was in. I didn't really know what it was at the time. Well, but it was probably just... felt like a lot of your beliefs and like... A lot of your, what are you, axioms, you know? Ah, <laughs> yeah. yes, my your, baseline yeah. fundamental assumptions upon life. Yeah, your favorite word there, you know? Uh, a lot of a lot of your paradigms just all of a sudden collapsed or whatever because you were like, well, well mm-hmm. I don't know what I think then. I kind of never really thought about what I think. I kind of just believed whatever options were in front of me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I think a lot of people have that option at that age group is like, well, yeah. you can decide whether you, you want to figure out what you think or pursue a uh intensive educational career path where others are going to teach you kind of yeah, what you true. think and how to yeah. think what they want you to think i mean because yeah i was kind of raised the opposite or totally atheist you know mm-hmm. i had no idea about spirituality or anything you know, those people. you know i really never did because i my neither of my parents well my mom now you know she's very she's spiritual you know she even goes to um, one of the Unity Spiritual Centers, you know, that, that I go to as well, but, um, you know, she does practice faith and, and her spirituality, but, I mean, being younger, I really, I, I never had any kind of idea of, of a god or any kind of faith or support, um, in the end of the day, you know, and I, I would say I probably didn't really have kind of, um, any sort of, like, kind of life-changing, um, shifts kind of until about that time period too of like junior year because you know i played soccer as well in high school and when i was younger you know? and the occasional drug dealing yeah and well we, you, you know, dated my cousin yeah for like a week or a day oh, i don't even know kid dating yeah that was the first time i met you mm-hmm. that was years before we became friends but yeah yeah and and but either way yeah so i would say probably about junior year that was like when things really took a turn because it was it was when I was about 16 in sophomore year, I'd say that, um, I started really kind of, well, I, I really started enjoying learning again for the first time in a while. You know, I kind of stopped, yeah, I kind of stopped being as, as pessimistic just because I don't even remember how I stumbled upon. Um, I think I, I stumbled upon, um, what is it called? Collective evolution, um, their website, not a sponsor, obviously, (laughs) if I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I think it was Collective Evolution, um, on the internet, and I ended up, like, reading a couple of things about science, you know, science-related stuff, and then I got into more, like, the metaphysical stuff that they had on their websites, and it, it kind of all, I don't know, science is kind of what brought me, or desire to learn again, brought me into, like, my faith, or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of brought me into more self-reflection of, of my own suffering and kind of identifying, you know, where I see that in my own self, because I would definitely, you know, consider myself a very, um, you know, addict-like personality, even if I had never touched a drug, you know what I mean? If I never really did, I still am a very, um... They call us, at that point, they call us assholes. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, really, I, you know, I I really am, I'm seeking for something all the time, you know, and that is, I think, a big cause of my suffering a lot of the time because Especially i don't since realize the self-centered it. search you're searching for something to fulfill you and right right i mean granted 
we are kind of just art-oriented that way. Well, constantly, I think, it's because I always want to learn more and more, you know, which is beautiful, and that's great, that's harmless. But then there's that, that point where I do become obsessive, compulsive, you know, and, and everything, and, I'm, and, I, and I am way over-expending... Mm-hmm the amount of energy that I need to mm-hmm. and rather than just coming in, coming back home, centering. And honestly, though, you know. I, I kind of have that too. It's like a hyper fixation upon right. something, right. a, a hyper obsession on something. And I think that's a coping mechanism, honestly. Oh yeah. I think yeah. we kind of learned how to do that in order to deal with, I don't know, maybe we just both kind of were innately given a chronic sense of loneliness and despair internally. Maybe yeah. it's just kind of like, you know, they say depression, but, you know, I'd say spiritually we couldn't just chalk it up to depression. We would have to go into the energetic causations through, you know, like, that's where the shamanic uh, perspectives would come into play. But for baseline, I think, you know, we both do have depression. Um, I can say I, through spirituality and amongst other uh, things, but primarily, honestly, just doing a, the podcast and... Uh, I had done a previous podcast that we actually didn't even really end up uploading much, but that really helped me kind of keep my mind focused on on something that I felt was giving me a, I don't know, a, a way to express myself in a vulnerable yet meaningful and helpful way. And I actually found a lot of growth through that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, even just in the few episodes that we've done here, I've even noticed some like, pretty profound actually like realizations that seem utterly utterly uh, uh just utterly just impossible or not like i don't know i just didn't even conceive that the wisdom that would come out of just random conversations about topics that i yeah. like could actually help <clears throat> me grow as a person yeah uh, yeah. But, you know, we got that good old nagging, suffering voice that just kind of keeps keeps coming around. So we keep growing, but then also we got that baby in our head. Or the they say the monkey mind at times. It's just like, ah, actually, though, you got to be fucking serious. You need to be very serious and, and intense, too. You need to focus. How, you know, like, how come you're not as good as those other people around you? That, that little voice, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like in Big Mouth, they, uh, season four, spoiler alert, they have the anxiety mosquito that comes in, basically just sits there. He's like, oh, they, they hate you. Obviously, they hate you. They're probably sitting there talking about how much they hate you right now. Yeah, kind of actually self-reflecting, too, as we were mentioning back, like, <clears throat> into, like, younger years there, like 16, 17, 18, you know, years old. Um, I would say, I guess, the, the, reason, the reason that I did end up even getting to the point where I was doing my own learning and researching was because I had so much anxiety and so much depression at the time that I left regular brick and mortar mortar high school and I did online school and then that's when I really had time to actually self-reflect and start being curious a little bit more about because it was like science but there's a there's a whole I mean really it was it was it was quantum physics is just so mind-blowing oh, and quantum physics so... while having a daily habitual marijuana uh it probably wasn't right. a habit at that point you know well Maybe it was it so daily. scarce at that point it's progressive really. 
I, I was it was it was so scarce just because I was so broke. Yeah, that's. Better. I had no money that at the time I really didn't care for like drugs or anything. Honestly, it all like kind of came together once I really started doing a lot of research and was just kind of really amazed by what everything was like lying right in front of me. But I just I didn't have that filter on. I didn't have that perspective to be able to pinpoint what the hell is in front of me and why is it so miraculous? You know. I mean, and I know I, I feel bad almost, like, guilty sometimes because, like, I know I take that for granted because, of course, I still have anxiety and depression and that won't just magically go away. But, like, I, like, I'm kind of, like, jealous of myself being that young when I was, like, really getting into, like, yoga and, like, not just, like, hatha yoga, but the lifestyle of yoga. Yeah, and we were, like, you know? naive enough, too, at the point where, like, you, you are still, like, so hardcore trying to figure out how to do those things that that they, like... They really took you out of yourself in, in that way. And, and it was kind of like also... get used to that, though, it sort of starts to fade a little bit, you know? Yeah, it was... Right, it, it's not as exciting now. It loses some of the thrill, but it definitely was one of those things where it was like a hyperfixation. I mean, because there's always going to be something I'm going to be hyperfixating on. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, literally, it's constantly going to shift what I'm putting my attention onto, whatever project I'm working on and learning more about, you know? Because I do like to... I, I love, I love to learn about everything, honestly. It, do, it doesn't fucking matter what it is. I don't care if it's how they make the shoes, uh, you know, the soles of shoes. That's interesting, too, to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to know everything, really. It doesn't matter. It's all fascinating to me how everything works. But definitely at the time, getting into, getting into my spirituality and different practices of what resonated with me and then getting into it on the more the physical side as well, on the realism and the physical... Um, side kind of moving away from Newtonian science, but really more into this beautiful quantum metaphysical realm. Um, it was all kind of a hyperfixation at that time that I became so obsessed with. I, I, I was just totally dedicated to increasing, you know, to seeking and f fulfilling myself more and more. Mm -hmm. And it was that longing and that, that seeking. And it was like I was getting little um, highs you know, mm -hmm. from those things. And it, and it doesn't give you the same high just like when you're an addict after using for so long. You develop tolerance. And that's kind of how it is sometimes when you're, when you, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you kind of slow down on learning. And, and, and on one hand, it's good to not, not be seeking for something to fulfill you or, or um, you know, enlighten you more, awaken you more, this or that, yeah. you know. But on another hand, I, I never want to give up on, on learning, but it's a fine line between like, my hyperfixations, and then just being so amazed by everything and being so curious about everything. And I think that that's a really important distinction that you just made right there, is, you know, people say, you can have that realization, because I did at one point, of, like, I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I already am everything that I need to be. I don't need right. to keep searching and trying to hardcore study all these spiritual programs to, yeah. to train me to be this way. Yeah. But I was also super interested in those things. But I was just like, well, I mean, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. I got this. Yeah. And, like, it was funny because, well, it turns out that that was the only thing I was interested in at that time. So it was like, well, now what? I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I don't, I'm not really into sports or anything. So I was just like, well, I mean, I can still keep, like, just, you know, working on my articulation of how to talk about, you know, studying different things so I can talk about it. You it's, know, but I don't need it. I don't need it. But the distinction is, you can intensely hyperfixate on learning a subject, and it not be because you are 
needing it. But it's just because you're alive, you are the force of life, and you, that's just what you want to do. Well, yeah, you it's know? a really tasty and, and sensual and tactile reality we're in. I do think, yeah, go ahead and take advantage of it. But, I mean, there was a certain point for sure where I thought, you know, as well, like, you know what? I'm not going to learn anything else that is going to add more value to my life than if I were to sit in silence as, like, as a hermit for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a muni, as a, as, a, as a mute monk, basically. But it's, it's, it's just, it's funny because even that way, it was still, like, this idea of my mind trying to, or my ego, whatever you want to call it, trying to trying to put in like another way that I needed to add add something to myself you know that I need to learn this way I need to learn this way this is this is what would make me better this is what would add more value to myself it's sort of indirectly in a way because it's it's like we're building up to set ourselves up to have that purpose of a teacher Mm -hmm. and it's like well I couldn't be a teacher if I don't master this if I'm not like the greatest meditator though i'm not uh, the greatest monk like how you know so i gotta mm-hmm. master this i you know i have to do this because i need to be a good teacher that was my mentality at least because i thought like i don't know i felt called to that i felt like yeah, yeah it was just really interesting to me and i always just ended up having really deep conversations with people around me that seemed beneficial so I was like oh I got an act for this yeah yeah and so there was a one point where I literally like my desire in life was I wanted to go to Tibet and live there for like a year or two and just study the thing yeah and I realized well for one I don't I want to do that (laughs) you know but also like I mean I do want to do that like that would be cool but also like I don't know I I love my family I have I want to see my nieces and nephews grow up you know if my dog dies while I'm gone, like, you know, like, right, all those okay things. Right, that's okay, too, yeah. It's, right. it's not that I'm using those as excuses to prohibit me from pursuing my dreams. It's realizing that my I can I can make that, that mastery manifest here. Yeah, right. And, and right. not put it under the claim of, like, a Tibetan Buddhist training. I call it, um, what do I call it? Uh, the freelanced shamanism. Oh, 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 that's I it. I was trying yeah. to figure out freelance. I'm yeah. thinking abstract shamanism. Yeah, I used in a way to, that works. I used to think too it was kind of like because I really enjoy um out in Portland, Washington's um landscapes, climates area. I really enjoyed that area. And, you know, since I was younger I've always wanted to move out there. I was just amazed by the forests and stuff when I when I did visit. Um and for a long time it would annoy me when um when like my mom would say to me, like you don't need to, you're, you're going to take yourself wherever you move. You don't need to go there. And that's kind of something they teach you in rehab too with that like whole, uh, what do they call that? Like relocation sobriety or whatever. Oh, that... the geographical cure. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> they, where they it's say, kind of like. Oh, it's the, the all powerful geographical cure. That... Which is, it's, it, it's a direct parallel because whether, whether it has anything to do with like getting sober or finally feeling fulfilled or this or that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. I used to get annoyed because I would think, well, okay, but that's not really why I want to move. But in some aspect, on some on some level, way deeper than I think she even really intended, you know, truly, it really does not matter where my atoms and particles are on the planet. Truly, mm-hmm. like how you were saying, you don't need yeah. to you don't need to go to Tibet when you do have family and you do have you do have flesh ties to this world. You are in the world. You're not just of 
the planet mm -hmm. of Gaia in light. You you are also a dense material vessel, and that's okay to still have some fun in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, arguably, it's more useful to learn how to integrate and to to accept and become content with the life that you have here and now because you're actually learning skills on how to deal with sometimes difficult situations and stuff but if you escape and go to like a monastery yeah that's it's true. super strict training you're not running into those those family members that just bug you and stuff you can learn how to become content to you know like uh, your mother, after she's had a few glasses of wine, and, you know, she's making jokes about the way your hair looks in front of the whole family or something. I don't know. That's a personal experience of mine. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening, but you're my, ex you're my uh, example. <laughs> um, but, no, it's true. If you don't have those triggers, you know, what what would happen if you did go to Tibet well, that's your for two set. months? That's your potential. Right. Those are your, those are your problems. To not problem, those are your difficulties to overcome, and that's your experience that you can then teach. Mm -hmm. But if you're just learning somebody else's teaching, it's not authentic to you, and in a way, you're not expressing your true expression of divine sovereignty. Yeah, that's why I do think truly, you know, like, like that seeking and searching all the time that I'm doing. I know, I know, you know, I I, I really do believe that that is my main. Um, cause of any any day-to-day -day suffering is like looking and searching for more and more and honestly I always throw that into like my songs and poetry too because it's always something that I like really heavily reflect on you know because mm -hmm. I, I I think that's just human nature honestly I think we're all we're all in such a overstimulating environment you know that that it, it's it's so distracting and almost having a moment of just being still is is really overwhelming a lot of the time and then there has to be something to fill in that gap there has to be something on tv or there must be something on the internet or there must be something on social media to fill in this gap you know f to fill in this void and you know like i was saying like when you come home and then you're really just you know you're really tuning in with yourself and and, and getting grounded you know and just being I honestly drift off into hyperspace you know but like usually that's when i'm like really like oh whew. i could take a breath and i'm like wow i don't need anything anymore oh, you know yeah. it feels so relieving to just I feel like, like sitting down in your bed after a long day and you just yeah oh this is like this is heaven yeah but even still you know like sometimes mm. it's like it has to be like an intentional thing for me too even when i'm laying down in bed man i'll stay up all i i will not sleep if i don't actually practice oh insomnia is one of the specialties uh one of those soup specials yeah on the menu of suffering one of the appetizers <laughs> insomnia goes hand in hand with uh anxiety but at night um obviously but yeah go on yeah. with your explanation yeah well I, it I served think... at the side of uh raw asshole i think um on, on some level too um anxiety and depression um you know on some level obviously is also symptoms of suffering obviously you know i'm not trying to invalidate it you know that anybody's you cause this upon yourself this is what you get you know what i mean because you know i i understand you know but on some level there is a certain amount of coping and moderation 
that I have to make sure I'm checking in with myself to do. Um, before I let my ego run the show or let my mind run the show on autopilot, and I don't check in, you know, because I can go easily a day without checking in. You know, I get real busy working or doing this and that, and, and I've got all these, all, all these places to move my body around to and, and, and words to, to make my mouth force out. There's just so many different purposes day to day that I get caught up in a, like, oh my gosh, slow down, you know. This isn't all just for show, you know, take a minute and enjoy it, you know. I don't know. I'm kind of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, okay, well, something that here, you said but, you know. there, something that you said there kind of caught my attention, so I started writing that down. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Is, you said something about uh, anxiety and depression, uh, to an extent, is kind of just a symptom of the deeper issue. Because I think that that's, uh, that's one of the more... Uh, ran from notions to consider because, well, you're like, first off, I know as a teenager you have depression and anxiety. It sucks. But also, then you can sort of use it as an excuse to an extent. Like, you know, maybe not consciously, but you realize you can kind of get away with stuff a little easier and stuff. And it's so easy to be just like, you know, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people abuse the terms as like depression. And oh, oh yeah, I have depression. It's like, well, but well, like you were maybe. even saying, like like a teenager, you know, having anxiety and depression. Okay, it's pretty normal because you're you're really overwhelmed with your identity of self. You're gonna have a lot of anxiety and Im- meanwhile you're exploding issues. sexually. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot going on there physically. You know, so that's understandable. But yeah, it sounds insensitive to say that like severe depression and severe anxiety is self-perpetuated because it's not entirely i mean maybe slightly mm. self-perpetuated but not oh. totally the root and cause uh yeah. root and uh, it is uh from the luminous healing the luminous body on gaia he is a monk or not monk sorry he's a shaman he studied with the shamans of the andes in chile he spoke about this um basically very plainly, the root cause of all physical disruption or, or disorder or illness, uh, the manifestation of that is merely a symptom. The problem the, lies in the spirit. It is a spiritual sickness. At the root of everything, there is a spiritual sickness. Now, obviously, our bodies get old and decay. That's not well, and, particularly the moment. And on some physical level, though, too. Like, at least I found with myself, physically I can affect my, my spiritual health that way with even just stagnation, like, in my body. Not moving about enough, not stretching out a lot of tension in the body. Mm-hmm. Or or even with Resilience the Resilience to even just with, even persist with, in a folly of harmful ways, like, I don't know, oversleeping. Even, even with um, stale energy, stale chi, and, and stale, uh, stale breath, you know, as well. You know, not really actually, like, clearing out that breath all the way until you think you have nothing left to exhale. And then doing, like, you know, five little short, sharp exhales after that and just taking all that stale energy and stale breath and stale uh, built up um, almost inflammations, you know, that's in your body, you know. Because, honestly, we get we get stiff and stale, you know, and that is what eventually... <laughs> I mean, it's what kills us eventually. I mean, on some level, truly, if we, if we were, that's a good way. We just we're slowly oxidizing. 
Yeah. And just getting stale and stiff and just... Yeah, I mean, yeah, truly we're eventually, you know, just like a, you know, leaving a grape out in the sun too long and then you got a raisin, you know, you get all wrinkly and mm. you get, you get weak and, you know, all Hair these things. growing out of... I mean, and then, and then you see it, you know, sometimes too with like people who are older and they're like accidentally healthy and accidentally live very long lives even mm-hmm. though they don't live extra healthy and there's people who live very very healthy physically lifestyles mm-hmm. you know but then they drop dead at 50 60 randomly mm-hmm. and then other people were awful diets all and not the best kind of caring compassionate people but accidentally somehow they end up living to be like 100 years old and it's just really like i think it's it's a youthful mindset of just of also just like clearing out energy whether you're intentionally doing it or not but for me, I know I, I am a real stiff, prickly person, rigid for the most part, so I really have I'll to work say. out. I really have to work out a lot of, like, kinks, or I really get so, like, serious, you know? And that Why is so serious? You know, that really is something, you know, that I know we all are, you know, oh. victims to yeah. ourselves of doing, you know? Especially when we start to recognize, oh, why am I being so serious? And we get super serious about... Why the fuck are you being so serious? It's oh yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to not take it back, but loop around a little bit with this. Yeah. Uh, it's important to mention that when I say that the root of all illness is a spiritual origin, I'm not talking about a religious, uh, a religious issue. You know, I I think that's a distinction that some oh, people okay. might overlook. Yeah, yeah. Like um, a spiritual origin meaning that that's the the you that is the energy body your your soul your spirit your your personal journey of experiencing life and expressing it there are chakra systems uh, that could be out of whack you know where your throat chakra could be closed for like 20 decades and now yeah. you have throat cancer people wouldn't even consider the notion in a lot of Western medicine that that was caused because they had an energetic block to their spiritual body at their throat. That's why they got cancer. They'd probably be like, well, it's uh, genetics or well, we don't really it, know. I you was, know, that, that I, I was going to say too, sorry. I was just going to say really quick. Cause I was going to say also, I think there's a certain degree of um, like karmic ancestral um, afflictions that you're going to take on and, you're going to have to heal without even knowing directly what the cause is. And then you also said genetics there. And then I was like, yes, yes, yes. I just wanted to interrupt there. Sorry. I'm, I'm whack today a little bit. Sorry. Nah, we're all good. I will apologize. I know. This is I'm just whack today. Listen. Whacked out. We're eating a, a very fearful meal. It's spooky, but it's not spooky season. It's supposed to be the season of joy and jolly and all of that stuff. But, um. Well, actually, I saw Santa Claus pissing on the sidewalk the other day, actually. Was, Did you really? Yeah. It's a guy dressed like Santa Claus, and he's... It wasn't, like, facing a wall. He literally just, like, a bus stop. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun, but jolly. Um, but I've... Oh, yeah, the spiritual nature of those illnesses, you know, depending on what exactly the nature of it is... A lot of times, the only person that can really figure that out is you. A shaman can't do that. A shaman can only really help help you better understand how to navigate your spirit body. Yeah. Because you're you're the experiencer of that energy, of that manifestation, of that divine essence of personality. Uh, you know, that that you know it best. Uh, a lot of times, 
certain civilizations, usually tribal at this point, uh, use the aid of psychedelic uh, plant medicines in order to kind of, you know, heal the spirit body. Uh, in South America, Peru, and Colombia, they do um, ayahuasca, which is like a very intense uh, ritual that they perform. Usually, it's like a two-week retreat that it right. takes to. Which I think is a really beautiful process and ceremony of like healing because really you're shaking out, like you said, the the shaman isn't the healer, isn't really going to be able to bring as much to light and connect as many dots for you, you know, as you are personally going to be able to, having carrying around the collection of experiences and and everything that we have on on like a you know a deceptively kind of uh, individual way but i mean either way uh, uh, it's it's a good way with the plant medicine and everything and shamans to really shake out a lot of um stale energy built up stagnant um what you call like negative or harmful energy out of you and bring those things to light like really shake those out of you um and and sometimes it can be kind of traumatic for people um you know, even with um, exposure therapies in a Western kind of way with a like, uh, with a therapist or something, or or in a, in a psychedelic experience ceremony, you know, that could be kind of traumatic in a way if you're not totally prepared um, to face those things when you bring them to light. Sometimes unintentionally, on a surface level, not intentionally doing those things, but nonetheless bringing them to light, you know, from from your true self or higher self or you know our one self whatever you know so it's a really beautiful process that can kind of be really shocking you know all of a sudden when those things get really um you know shaken up when things have been still waters you know have been real swampy areas you know of our of our own nature mm-hmm. um yeah i think too that whole kind of journey into the self that right there is probably one of the largest causes that I've at least personally seen in AA rooms of why people ran from themselves, why people depended on addictions and and basically just anything other than personal accountability, personal responsibility. Right, right. You know, it, it's yeah. a scary thing to think that you are responsible for healing your your. For, for, for healing yourself and, and growing from that pain or growing from that growing from those hardships or shortcomings that maybe hinder you and and growing from them and then you have a wisdom to offer the world in a way that is so authentic to you that you don't even have to think about it that you just spill it you know but people don't like to look at themselves or to think about themselves or to sit with themselves or even on like the macro level too like as a collective, you know, saying I'm I'm responsible for that too. That's hard. You know, that's hard. That's really hard. It's really easy to just. Well, that person's obviously responsible for causing me this pain. Therefore, they need to take accountability for it, and fix me, or, or whatever. You know, like or just in general, where you do... where you see people, you know, hurting one another and doing really, um, you know, really unimaginable things to each other. You know. It's really hard to relate and say, okay, that's me, and forgive forgive yourself. For, forgive yourself as them as well. That's, mm-hmm. That gets harder in its own in its own respect. 
not even just on a when you're self-reflecting, but on that scale too, that's that's even harder day to day. But and actually, that's the name of the game. You know, it's interesting too because one thing that I've heard um, uh, in therapy, an issue that comes into play is um, sometimes people come in with this like you know really really difficult trauma. You know, maybe they were raped or or you know somebody attempted to murder them or they have PTSD from the war. Um, actually, no, I'm going to exclude PTSD because that's a different scenario for what I'm talking about. Well, just about. traumatic stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah, usually I'd say, like, child rape. You know, they were raped as a kid or something like that or just abused really badly. Uh, it's very often that they kind of get this uh, mentality of a, of, of a very exacerbated victimhood. You know, obviously we can feel, you know, a, a victim, you know, to something that bad happened to us. That's not what I'm saying. That people like, clutch to the, you know, like, well, no, I, 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 this isn't my fault. Man, nobody's saying it's not either. I have to make that clear. What I mean is people stick to that and use their, their misfortune, their, their oftentimes very difficult misfortune, very unfortunate misfortune, but they use that as saying, well, there's no way I could have stopped what happened to me or, or, you know, I didn't cause this to myself. And they use it as a way to just never grow from it. They just stick there. Just trying to figure out how to articulate that. And, it, and, and also look at these buildings. Yeah, in an insensitive way, it's funny too because we do think of it as like, so like... <sighs> like I have to walk on eggshells around that topic. No, I know. It's, it, it's such a sensitive, touchy subject, you know. And then there was one other thing I wanted to mention, too. Something funny that I learned. Well, not funny, but cute. It's a cute thing. Um, but um, when we say, like, uh, I, I couldn't have prevented what happened to me, you know, what that person did to me. But, I mean, of course you couldn't. I mean, but that's also you who did that to you in some weird kind of Twilight Zone larger picture way. You can't. Definitely you, literal way. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, it's so hard, though. It is such a personal, vivid narrative that we're mm -hmm. that we're playing through all the time so i i totally understand i've had terrible things in my lifetime that i could easily just say well that that's you know that's that's a that's a cause and i'm the result and that's just how it is what are you gonna do about it that's just how that's just how it works mm -hmm. but um something cute i wanted to kind of mention that i found out um huh <laughs> something cute that i found out was well the, the not cute part here so um it's it's about um um, sexually abused children's awareness, and uh, there's a, like, there's a little thing that, um, you know, guys are doing where they're painting, um, like, one fingernail, um, and it's called, like, the polished, polished man movement or something to acknowledge that, like, one out of five children, um, you know, are sexually abused, and so, so now it's kind of, it's kind of nice that, like, masculinity is also, like, taking on this, like, very sweet, compassionate, um, side, you know, in this movement, particularly, because, of course, typically, females are the victims of rape, you know, and I think that's such a sweet, that's just a sweet little thing, so I don't know if anybody wants to look into that, too, that's just a nice little it's thing. It's not a sweet little thing that females are primarily victimhood of rape. No, but that, like, awareness, well, that masculinity is very, like, uh, you know, being very compassionate yeah. and trying to raise awareness. And oh, yeah. It's a cute thing. I think the story behind it was, like, the guy who started the thing. Um, he spent some time with this with this um, this girl who had been a victim of rape. 
and um you know she, he was painting her nails for her and then so she painted um one of his nails you know and like he got to learn all about her and then um I don't remember if this was like some volunteer work or some sort of thing he was involved with um but when he got to know her or whatever and then he left with that little um that one fingernail painted you know he said you know I'm gonna paint this fingernail you know every day or you know keep it painted for the rest of my life you know in honor of this little this little girl her bravery and her strength and you know what mm. what you know what you've had to overcome and still be soft and still be compassionate mm. and forgiving mm -hmm. um and all those things when you it's so easily to get it's so easy to get hardened you know it's so easy for all that energy to really build up and just feel to to really feel that and and i mean I don't know. We all do it to ourselves sometimes, and and we all kind of fall victims to not not trying to um, cope with it as well as sometimes we could. You know, well, myself well, included. I mean, and, and I'd say though, us doing that to ourselves is in a way kind of helping us cope with it. But there becomes an extent where that that coping is no longer serving us well, and it's actually starting to do us harm. Like for instance, there's a difference between a short-term reaction to a trauma and a long. A very very long term right. prolonged progression of coping with that trauma because right. people will repress it and numerous studies have shown that repressing trauma actually will cause physical ailments in your body physical right, right. Uh, you know effects like your health will be affected negatively by repressing trauma but you know we kind of build this fear off. Probably usually if you're raped as a kid, I'm going to assume that it scared the hell out of you. And that's why you kind of, it, 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 your brain loves you and it repressed it. So you didn't constantly have that memory replaying in your head. And if it happened, you know, frequently, you know, that's, I'm very sorry that that happened. But, you know, our brains start to adapt because they love us and they're trying to care for us. Then there becomes a point where we're no longer in that threat. And we can start to actually heal from that and, and allow our body to slowly release that that repression and yeah and grow and learn from that. You know, I've been in very stressful short term situations that, you know, cause me physical harm or not well, yeah, actually, yeah, but different situations cause me physical uh effects. Like I, I was vomiting, I was I was physically getting ill because of how much I was trying to just not deal with that right. and well what I found is like I kind of just it it was just too in front of me to just let it go and I, I had to just take it head on and like it actually it really was empowering to face to yeah. face that like you know my fear was well fuck I don't want to hurt anybody by you know just you know bringing this up I don't want to hurt someone's feelings I don't want to whatever and then well, I realized, why am I, why is my brain still sacrificing myself because it wants the person that hurt me to not feel hurt, you know? In a way, that, that's love, but it's also self-sacrifice for somebody, and, you know, we gotta love ourselves. We have to. And just kind of address it and keep my point clear, made my stance, made my statement, and I realized that, like, I there was a power within me that... I didn't allow myself to pursue. I figured it'd just be easier to deal with a stressful situation to just just passive passiveness, complete and utter passiveness. Just it's not gonna affect me or whatever. Just 
Let it go, let it go. Well, Sometimes think, there's a just, yeah, sorry, you go on. You're good. I think, well, I think there's also a physical response we have, too. When we're rejecting something that's going to cause us pain, I think there's a physical response, a, a mental response, everything, spiritual, everything, sexual, of course, every aspect. You know, there's going to be that response. Mental. There's going to be that response where you're trying to reject that pain, but then eventually you will reject that healing as well, which will, of course, end up leading to more, you know, more suffering in general. Mm -hmm. Because rather than accepting and really letting all that pain absorb you and just, you know, just take you, like, fucking just kick the shit out of you sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, well, and actually, unfortunately, oftentimes to children that were, you had a, I don't know the specific, specific you know, whether it's male or female more, but I think I usually, like, young boys that were raped as children tend to grow up to also then molest or sexually assault children. It's a showing very predominant trend that usually sexual predators were sexually well, assaulted as children. Well, because then they have they, sexual... They their have triggers. Repression just, that's they their... have sexual triggers, though, that are violent in general and, because of their memories of any kind of violent sexual i mean that that is pretty basic psychology there but it well, probably forms totally some sort into. of complex that basically just I, I don't want yeah but but no yeah either way so i think it, it is good to actually let let all that stuff um really really feel that down to the core and, and sit with that because even though it's extremely you know extremely painful you know i think that's important that we do take that in and be able to release that just like day to day, there's going to be all kinds of, of small things that will add up over time. And if we don't release them, like I was saying, even physically, it is, it's good to be able to stretch out the body and stretch out all the, all the muscles and everything. Because eventually you become in a triggered response state all the time where your blood is constantly circulating through your limbs and you're living in a flight or a fight or flight state. And there's a certain amount of um, soothing the body and the vagus nerve, you know, that runs through the, you know, through the um, abdominal and the thoracic, you know, you know, your torso, the, the vagus nerve that is basically the, the spine of your nervous system that's going to put you either in a flight, a fight or flight state or giving proper circulation to your brain and energetically having proper flow within your electromagnetic field and everything as well because once you start to live in that fearful kind of physical state where everything is a trigger and everything is kind of scary i mean until you really let all that kind of eat you up for a little while when it happens and allowing to release that you know mm -hmm. i think that just continues on over time resurfacing unintentionally i have a question for you then sure yeah in what ways could a person go about um, attempting to release or sit with and start to heal from that, from, from those things? Because it can be one thing to say, you know, this is, you know, it's going to be very beneficial to, you know, go into the healing and all of that. But what would be certain steps that a person could take that maybe um, could be useful in getting to that final destination of freedom from that uh from that inner pain sure yeah that's a, that's a really good question too honestly 
obviously it's unique but well no yeah yeah and you know i'm no i'm you know don't take medical or don't take (laughs) you know your serious advice from me but i think i think a lot of the times small exposure um kind of small reflection with yourself is good too uh you know because how we were even talking about a lot of the times um whether somebody's intentionally doing it if they're having a psychedelic ceremony Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff gets shaken out and it can actually become really traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, and then if that's not properly reflected upon afterwards as well, you know, and it, and it just shocks your nervous system again and, and shocks your, 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 your spirit shocks you mm-hmm. on every level, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, that's not particularly um, good have, for your healing. And people have developed actually like long-term panic disorders and anxiety issues after having right. like an experience like that. And not being in the proper setting of somebody that can help guide right, them through right. that situation like a shaman would. Right, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, uh, you know, cultivating a good um, safe space within yourself, you know, obviously that's great. You know, that would that would, that would be great. You know, and then also having that support around you, you know, just like even, uh, you know, in, in kind of the Western's way of healing, you know, it's always good to really have, you know, that support around you mm-hmm. because... Truly, you know, if we're taking, for example, like in psychedelic ceremonies and stuff, of course you have the shaman there guiding you, you know, usually having a, having a rhythmic beat and everything, which is even used in exposure therapy as westernly as we've just cheated, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we use that, that kind of tap therapy and everything, that rhythmic, you know, beating, because it, 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 it centers you almost physically, you know? And it releases some of the physical response, I think, to a lot of emotional stuff. And I think it also does, it helps, you know, especially when working with, like, different frequencies, it definitely helps ease our brain waves itself, which would help regulate our entire nervous system because our central nervous system is our brain. And if it's very in an anxious state, certain frequencies can, can have a physical, well, I guess, soundical (laughs) <laughs> a musical impact yeah. on um, the physical effects of your body. Yeah. So if I said that really weird, it's because I was trying to figure out how to word that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's all kinds of great ways, you know, really to, mm-hmm. to start that healing process. Yeah. What, what are you, um, you kind of thinking? What, what well, has been I'll, some of your I ways? Know, I know. So, obviously, uh, there's so many different types of therapy. Um, and therapy is not for everybody. Uh, I, I can say I found let's say, out. Let's say um, professional help aside as well. Like, how do you think? Oh well, I definitely think that if if you had you know severe childhood trauma, that you know it it'd be just it would it would be almost a ne- not a necessity, I guess, but it's well, a very no, good know, idea but, but to have a professional um, help you cope and and learn how to grow through that. But also, yes. Um, well, searching for online resources, obviously, that's a very good one. You know, I know there's a lot of different spiritual ways, but online there are so many different, very specifically minded spiritual teachers that they reach they reach humans through the, an online medium. Right. People who have gone through... Uh, Teal Swan comes to mind. Teal Swan mm-hmm. is openly admitted... Uh, you know, that she had gone through horrible abuse sexually, physically, emotionally, psychologically, like, yeah, worse growing yeah. up. And now, she, professionally, she 
yeah, uh, does spiritual soul. healing. Yeah. You know, sometimes she yeah. gets a bad rap. You know, maybe she said, you know, something that was controversial or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But generally, she, actually, Teal Swan's videos have helped me understand and learn uh, so many different things. So, like, looking for online resources like yeah, that. Right, obviously, please. having a, a, a close friend group and not, you know, maybe having the intention to... Uh, embrace being honest with yourself and expressing yeah. honesty with your friends and family because it can be so easy almost unconsciously easy to just hide those kinds of things you know hide yeah. that i'm upset hide that i'm sad yeah hide that i have these traumas well, yeah. what is that well, that's repression you repressing yourself not to say that it's a bad thing that you're doing it to yourself remember it was initially done because your body loves you it's no longer serving you, and there's a step of confidence that needs to be taken to accept personal responsibility for now the healing of this. Right, because of and, course, like healing also, depending on what you're going through, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, we all have to kind of feel out what works best for me, and according to what, what point in your life, because I've gone through different things that have helped me tremendously, you know? Mm -hmm. Like definitely with even um, you know Teal Swan and stuff, she's she's really great for taking a real good hard look at yourself. You know she's real brutally honest, mm -hmm. and in 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 the way Pretty that she's the way that she's brutally honest with herself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's not necessarily how you have to treat oh, yourself. I respect the hell out of yeah. Yourself. That's just how she that's just how she personally addresses and, and heals, and how she tries to share you know what she's gathered from her experience, mm -hmm. and that's great. You know essentially. Essentially, it's doing what a shaman would do, is helping teach you how to how to teach your and heal yourself, how to how to grow with yourself, not against yourself. Yeah, because I don't think necessarily as well you need to um, totally sit in a dark room and totally just relive any traumatic um, experiences. I don't think that that would be mm -hmm. very helpful. Truly, just from my own experience. Um, that doesn't help me. Honestly, mm -hmm. it does not help me with a lot of traumatic stuff that I've been through. I find that it just makes it worse. But it, it helps me because I'm a more um, solution-oriented, you know, kind of person, very um, logical, you know, analytic kind of kind of person. So it, it helps me to more see, to take, uh, you know, kind of like a moral inventory that they use in AA, you know, mm -hmm. kind of where we see those effects on ourselves and how has that affected other people? You know, how... How has some of my trauma that I have decided not to deal with because it may be too painful or even it's scary, you know? And honestly, it's too scary. afraid to, to take personal responsibility for, for... Or a lot of the times I feel like it's just not helpful to me. You know, a lot of the times I think, why the hell? I, I'm, moving, I'm moving on. I don't look at my past a lot of the time, especially with childhood stuff. I mm -hmm. don't look back at that stuff. But I think it's important for me, you know, for myself in so that we're in an interactive experience here you know and i'm looking at other little pieces and bits of myself and everybody i want to be able to Ew. be as, <laughs> as <laughs> you know as compassionate as i can and i don't want to i don't want to grow you know hardened and, and prickly all the time i want to be able to move through life and i don't want to i don't want to meet resistance within myself all the time and with everybody you know i want to be able to you know heal and, and center in with myself and, and with everybody else as well as, as one, you know, so, hmm. so that there's no, so that there's no gray areas of, oh, no, I don't look at that part, you know, I don't, I don't touch that part, but as it's relevant, 
to our experience as a whole moving forward there's a, a certain extent of yeah you know I'm, I'm 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 reflecting back on some things even recently that you know um currently still behavioral patterns and previous um behavioral patterns that are kind of effects and um symptoms uh, you know of underlying causes and and that's okay because we live in sort of like a, a linear time-based narrative where things seem like they just pile up in a sequential order and um that's okay you know that that's that's how we're gonna perceive things you know for the most part unless we consciously um are aware that we are not in that moment you know so day to day it's really useful to address past issues it's not great to be living in the past issues mm -hmm. but it's good to address them moving forward you know yeah. well yeah that's essentially you know, another great tool from aa um resentments notice your resentments who do you resent in your life you know oftentimes you you know you can you can pretty much pick those people out sometimes you can do a little digging one of the ones we will always overlook most particularly ourselves we tend yeah. to resent ourselves uh or to some degree uh actually this is a really interesting one that i do want to get a little bit into is um what happens in in uh severe cases of abuse in children when they grow up they grow up and it's shown that narcissism, the, the tendency to, to develop a narcissistic personality disorder, extends from, from severe uh, trauma from childhood. In a way, our, the, the brain basically builds such a strong defense mechanism for protecting itself that it puts off this very, like, you know, I love myself, I'm going to protect myself at all costs, essentially an extreme selfish personality disorder uh, in order to protect itself because maybe the trauma left the kid feeling in some way that he doesn't have anybody other than himself to rely on or something like that, whatever that is. That's true because that's kind of a sociopathic tendency yeah. with narcissism, so, you know, that not being able to be compassionate or empathetic with other people because mm -hmm. you can't really do that to yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Or even if they are... To what degree do they really actually care, though? You know, they might feel like, ah, yeah, that that sucks. I shouldn't have done that, but mm -hmm. oh well, fuck it. Shitty shit, shit things happen to us. You know, deal with it. Oh, I hate that word. I hate when people say deal with it. Uh, but <laughs> sorry. who says that? Uh, <laughs> Just my, deal with it. My little cousin, when I was babysitting him as a kid, <laughs> he went up and punched me right in the face. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you don't do that. He goes, oh yeah, deal with it. <laughs> Even just mm. saying that is, like, so harmful for your whole nervous system. Yeah, no, I feel... It I triggers, start grinding my teeth. Yeah, no, it triggers but, a response for but, people I was going to say on things like that. That's that's awful. Okay, so basically what happens is with people that are narcissistic is there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to heal. What do I need to heal from? That that mentality, it, it's... What are you talking about? Heal to what extent? Yeah. You know, what am I supposed to... What am I healing to? Some mythical creature. They'll mock happiness well, very often. Narcissism is like super like. At least emotions from, are super irrelevant with narcissism. Narcissism is a, like no, a bad example though because that's a very specific. Well, I'm, kind I'm, of I'm going on a, a point because this is from my own experience that I've, I've witnessed and I've done a lot of research on narcissism okay, specifically. So you are right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So basically, 
the personal experience that I've had with it, that was the kind of mentality of like, like there's nothing wrong with me. What are you talking about? It was just a complete okay. and utter like, okay. like you're crazy. Are you kidding me? I'm perfect. But really, like, they're fucking broken as shit inside. But that's nah. I love myself. I'm not not gonna change me. I accept my flaws as they are, which is a beautiful thing. But it's also why. You know, why don't you want to stop suffering from that? You know, it, it's I accept my flaws as they are because they're hurting me and you know, my body wants to hurt me. It's kind of this like, it's a yeah. weird thing. But also other terms, narcissism, they can then use when they like just are done with emotions. They can just start using emotions as they see they affect people as and tools. they manipulate them yeah, by playing on people who are sensitive to certain emotions or a lot of times narcissists at least uh, overt narcissism they're very conf- confrontational i'd say m- most people are generally not super interested in confrontation so if somebody really aggressively comes at them with something they're going to back down they just assert their they give the dominance off to that person it's like a weird way where they go around and they are hurting other people. Well, it's like living with a whole part. And then they say, I love myself. I don't want to heal myself. But they're going around yeah, manipulating yeah. people, hurting people. Yeah. Uh, covert narcissism is super interesting. Basically a person that would not know they're a narcissist. They're an entirely like introverted narcissist. Everything on the front is just, you know, I'm a personality. I'm a normal person. But there's like deep psychological manipulation tactics that they like plan out it's so interesting yeah i know it's a long tangent but i mean it it's, it's a very interesting thing to study you know, and you learn a little bit about yourself to an extent we all are a little bit i don't want to say narcissist because that's well, it no, is but, a specific but when point, but, but just you know kind of getting away because that's a really specific disorder that i don't really know or have much experience with so i don't really want to comment much about that because that's super touchy you know, but, but either way, I think, at least from what I gather, you know, I feel like if I were to be living as a as a narcissist, that would really be like having a whole part of myself missing, a whole part of my emotional aspect, because that's really difficult. Like you were saying, on some level, we're our, we're we're all kind of out of tune with our emotions sometimes, and and on sub subconscious level, even as children we start to identify that emotions can be used as tools, as manipulation tactics, mm-hmm. tactics and this well, and that, well, you know? And just generally, usually we would we would like people to do what we would want them to do, what oh, we want right, them to do. Yeah, right. So we, sure. we inner, innately have a motive for manipulating someone. Sure. Whether yeah. or not we do it well or, or even really, you know, do that to a person, you know, we do it unconsciously all the time, manipulate people. That's what salesmanship is. Yeah, and I think we really only do that, you know, kind of coming back around, you know, because that's really, that's another way of seeking, you know, it's another it's another form of suffering because you're only manipulating because you think there's something to gain, something to add. And I think that's just personally, I think that's... There's that's, a sense of self inner power. I think that's where, like, I personally kind of define where I can pinpoint suffering in my behaviors more than like a mind state but more like suffering in my behaviors is really when i'm still trying to add something there's still something more there's still there's still something i have to gain 
you know that that it's just not it's not as it is as it really needs to be and all it is there's this longing and this this kind of idea that there's got to be more and that's a really self-defeating kind of feeling that obviously you know is is my opinion of of suffering you know that that we're all trying to keep a conscious eye on you know whenever we're going throughout our days and, and you know we, we can't help to some degree to get kind of agitated and cause our cause cause our own little sufferings even in the short term of just letting a thought really eat away at us and then we're realizing what a small thought we just spent 45 minutes on you know uh -huh. or something that like you know that you catch and you're like whoa all wow. right moving on yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um but something you said there too um I lost it. You said, um, ah, I, you know, it's wow, okay, yeah. that literally just straight up left my brain. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, it was going to be good, yeah, too. Yeah, suffering kind of being a behavior and keeping a close eye on it, and, um, I don't know, just trying to kind of refresh memory there, but, yeah. I, I started looking at the birds on the screen there, and, like, just, yeah, or whatever know. was there, the whales, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. and, like, my brain can't focus on that much at once, okay? I'm yeah. only a person. Yeah. Oh, uh, I lost it again. Wow. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I know. I, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good sign, at least, that, like, your brain is like, no, we're good. We've got yeah. everything we need. There's nothing yeah. to add. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Cause I'm at least... fine. I don't need to heal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because that's, that's what I was just defining as, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, being free from suffering. You know, which is beautiful too. Look into Buddhism, yes. anybody. You I know, remember, look I into remember Buddhism. Freedom from suffering is basically the entire premise of that thought of there's got to be something more. Is I cannot be happy until I find that something more. Oh, until right. I, that, that yeah. something more comes. And guess what? Never comes tomorrow. Yeah. It's always now. We tend to get so focused on well, what is it that we neglect to. I don't maybe accept that maybe I don't know what it is that a philosophy that I very much so like is sometimes the answers that you are seeking for the most will come to you in the most unexpected time unexpected places that's happened to me so many times where yeah, yeah. I was like so intent on on just discovering this or, or figuring something out or whatever it was and you know I, I just give up I don't know, or just get like you know sidetracked into something, and then boom, the answer hits me right in the face. Yeah. Know, whatever it is. Yeah, because there's like a, you know, there's a there's a a stopping to um, finding whatever it is, fill in the blank, you know, and then you can feel fulfilled and sleep easy at night. You know, there's like also kind of a relief when you do give up that it that whatever usually it was that you needed that you didn't know whether it's totally irrelevant from whatever you were seeking that comes to you is like really when I think you're like in tune with, you know, with, with the Tao or the flow or whatever. Well, I mean, uh, as, as per Alan Watts, Nirvana is defined as essentially giving up, blowing out. Just, you're like, you just give up. Yeah. It's the non doing the action of yeah. non doing, you it's know, deciding like I, I, no longer going to keep trying and making this happen and I shall just be 
Yeah, not trying to force anything. You know, not trying to force, you know, uh, the square into the circle, you know, Mm -hmm. the hole or whatever that kind of, (laughs) whatever that little phrase is, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, it's really beautiful once you can just kind of. Um, you know, catch As, yourself. Once you can cease your neurotic, your 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 neuroses for self analyzation and self perfection, you can just cease that and just simply be a person yeah. and not have that. Oh, honestly, wow. I, the problem I run into is just catching it. Just, really, because the mind and the ego really start to run away with with everything. Oh, and it feels thoughts. so yeah real. It's so serious. Yes, yes, I become very, I become very much so. Um, you know, just enveloped in whatever my thoughts are and whatever my experience is, you know, day to day, that it's so hard sometimes for me to even catch when I am upsetting myself about something or whatever it is, you know, or just even catching myself, reminding myself, hey, that's right, I wanted to do some yoga, but I missed... I was going to do that a couple hours ago. It's like these or things catching yourself, away. Or catching yourself and then going, no, I... I I, I have the right to feel that way. Like, this did upset me. That was wrong of them to do. Now I can I, I can justify that resentment that I have. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. that resentment is doing, all that is doing is disturbing your own inner peace, your, I mean, your own contentment with life. If that's I cannot you... be happy until I accept life exactly on life's terms. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. That's the paragraph on acceptance from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And God damn, is it perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, suffering for sure. I mean, we can even look at it in general, you know, because obviously, you know, in Buddhism and stuff, it's, it's kind of the, the alleviation of suffering, you know, the freedom from suffering and everything. But we can also look at it as um, how we were saying, oh, I, I can't feel you know, at peace until this. Mm-hmm. We can even think of it as like, oh, I can't really feel at peace or I can't really feel enlightened until I'm free of suffering. Well, that's a conscious practice all the time. That's mm-hmm. having to keep an eye on something all the time. And you're going to slip up. It's You're never going to be free of suffering. We live in a world where I think there's an inevitable taste for suffering that unintentionally we all kind of desire and we all need a little bit of a fix every once in a while to wake us up and it weeds in the contrast so that we can recognize when times are 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 good yeah you know if if we never experienced a a suffering moment we would never know what a good moment feels like because I mean, yeah. it's just normal at that point. Truly, yeah, you know? because perhaps it wouldn't be just suffering perhaps the until cessation you it is. of suffering is not that you stop suffering, it's that you've begun to accept and become content with the fact that you are going to suffer and that's life. Yeah. That it is inevitable. But if you can accept it and and genuinely, I mean fully accept it as though when it happens you are not immediately, no matter what, trying to shove it away. Get away from me, suffering. Because you know what we're doing? We're just we're adding sawdust to a, to a little kindle fire and blowing that shit well, up right, into flames. Right, because suffering doesn't mean that nothing bad's going to happen or nothing preferable we're not is going to happen. But, but it's more the self-perpetuated pain of continuing reliving and experiencing that. You know, because to even... Resist. Even with, you know, the serenity prayer, that is such an actual beautiful prayer in general. That's such a beautiful affirmation, whatever you want to call it. And Mary's mantra. like, I hate that. It's, no, it's really so beautiful, oh, though, because it. it's giving up that control. It, not everything is in your control, 
but to a certain expen- extent, everything you're experiencing, everything you're reacting and responding to is is up to you, and that's okay. That's that's more, you know, I guess we didn't really clearly define as, as suffering, not just being, you know, unpleasant events. Of course, unpleasant events will happen, but how are you going to respond to that, and how are you going to um, cope with that so that you can accept that and release that or mm-hmm. identify it just to start with and then accept it? Because a lot of the times it goes over overlooked, and we don't even realize a lot of the things we need to be healed from because we don't realize we're suffering at all we just think this is this is it you know we've lived in suffering for so long that that's our normal right exactly and i feel like maybe that's at the state that a narcissist kind of gets at is like i'm fine i don't want to go heal myself this is just what i am i that because i i'm saying that because that is genuinely a statement that i was told somebody who had so much uh, their entire emotional spectrum was just not working for them it was I could see the pain that you expressed that to me. But then they're like, I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just going to live life the rest of the way like this. Yeah. You know, it's a little heartbreaking to hear that because we're also, I guess there is a uh, kind of a power in that because, mm. I don't know, it, it's a, I don't know, it's not my journey, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah it's personal, man. Yeah, but I've got to opinion. say, we didn't, Define the serenity prayer to those oh, who sure. did not yeah. uh, know what that is. Is uh, God? You want to hold me hand? Yeah. <laughs> we'll say it together. All right. God, God grant, grant me, me the, the serenity, serenity to accept the things, things I cannot change. change. <laughs> the, the courage to change, to change the, the things, things I can, and the wisdom to know the, the difference. difference. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ow. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to re- uh, recite the Nicene Creed backwards. <laughs> and then the Apostles' Creed yeah. frontwards. Yeah, no, it is such a beautiful and simple, you know, simple prayer. Because really, just just, just surrender over that control, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, you know, accept the things you cannot change. Mm-hmm. And, and and just try to, you know, gather up all the courage you can to it's change a great the things reminder. you can. It's a great reminder yeah. in a, in a yeah. moment of panic, even. It, like, subtle... The subtle petty frustrations that we experience on a day-to-day, you know, this being stuck in traffic or the line in the grocery store is taking too long or somebody by you smells really bad or, you know, somebody's got a nasty-ass zit and it's just bugging the shit out of you or you're breaking out in it. All those little petty frustrations. God, grant me the serenity, please. Yeah, grant me the serenity. Amen, I you know. I cannot change this. I yeah. can accept it, though. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping it up here, yes. folks. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Just beautiful. like the ocean that we're looking at on the screen there. Mm-hmm. We're v- virtually on a beach right now. Mm. It is pretty. It's very beautiful. And there's a weird lizard. Man. We're on the beach in a basement. Yes. Oh, crabs are really weird animals, guys. I mean, like, really, though, look at that thing. What was that? I mean... Yeah, I know. Yeah, alien. What alien a strange... Looking. So far from our, like, our... <laughs> right? <laughs> our, our genetic... Our, our, our anything about what we form. know as life. Yeah. They're just... Yeah. They have an exoskeleton, first off. I mean, their, their skeleton is the outside of their body. Mm-hmm. I mean, ours is the complete opposite. Ours, our skeleton is the base of our body. Yeah. Well, they're they're like a like a shell that walks around, and we're like a mushroom that walks around, you know. Uh, we're, they're like 
you know, <laughs> either way. We can go into off. that yeah, another getting, time. Or now folks. we're just kind of more to the. <laughs> all right. Well, I'd like to thank you all for um, coming on us. Oh, next week we got a wonderful uh, surprise coming up. We may have a, uh, a guest appearance. Uh, our first Ooh. first dialogue with a outsider from the show. I think it's gonna be a really good episode. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the hell's gonna come out of that. We haven't really come up with any sort of, uh, you know, like talking points or anything. So hmm. it'll be exciting to see what what comes about. Oh yeah. What comes about? Well, I hope you all, uh, if you made it this far, I hope mm-hmm. you'll stick around to hear our next episode as well. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, please donate at least $5,000 uh, to the button. Um, <laughs> I'm not actually being serious. I, I can say sarcasm. No, 5,000 Bitcoin, not Yeah, not Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to, I had, we had to re- restate yeah, that. Yeah, we, we only accept Bitcoin. Uh, we only accept uh, tokens, so... Mm-hmm. Thanks and uh, shout out to all the all the crypto people out there doing their thing. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, have a uh, beautiful rest of your morning, noon, midday, evening, <gasps> dusk, and night.